Good morning, afternoon, and evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of the Fit for Life Lifestyle Podcast. I am Anthony Changes, and today I am joined by my friend, my coach, <laughs> and the brain behind everything that is Fit for Life, Sandy Tachi. What's going on, coach? What's up, Aunt Sir Changes? Is that which which what are we going by today? Uh, what are we gonna hear in this podcast? Uh, it's, it's it's similar to what we were discussing earlier about changing your name on Facebook. You know what I mean like trying to hide from a couple people? We'll go with Anthony Changes. Like everyone okay. knows me as Anthony Changes. All right, what's up? I am so excited to be here, guys. This is like something I think that has been like a thought and like something that's that seemed like really cool to do for a while now so the fact that we're like here doing this and just taking that step and really stepping out of our comfort zones to do it is just the coolest thing ever so i know this is going to be badass and yeah. lead to great things i love it i love it see the good thing is like the majority of the people that are listening right now kind of have an idea of what fit for life has been and and where know that we were trying to go this route but for those that don't know who we are and and what fit for life stands for why don't you give them a, a quick rundown as to how that works of course first i had to hit because you said you had people having an idea of we were going to do this let's talk about that instagram <laughs> <laughs> poll that we did so if you guys follow us on instagram whether my personal or the fit for life instagram we were talking about like the whole little poll that came out, vodcast, <laughs> podcast. We it was between us too. Okay, I was trying to prove a point <laughs> that I was gonna win and uh, I lost. Uh, <laughs> so you guys win, and, and here you, we are. Yes, you guys get your vodcast, so you get to see us. So if you don't like to see us, I hope you didn't vote for a vodcast. That's all I gotta say. Okay, uh, you can always just listen to us too. Mm. That's cool too. All right, guys. So if you don't know who I am, Sandy Tachi. Most of you guys know me, Fit for Life, Cooper City, Pines, Fit for Life in general. Born and raised here in Cooper City. Um, our This is our second location here, um, right in Cooper City. Um, but that's me. I'm married, a mom of two. We've got two massive Great Danes. We have two massive Maine Coons. We have a hamster, a very plumped <laughs> hamster. We've got a tortoise. So it is just a madhouse. And then we have Fit for Life. Another madhouse. <laughs> right? It's a nut house. <laughs> but it's awesome. <laughs> so how did Fit for Life come about? Like, how did how did it start? How did you get to the point where you decided to open a full-fledged gym? Because if I'm not mistaken, you guys started in the garage, right? We did. We did start in the garage. And um, although we started in the garage, just to, like, backtrack to, like, years and years and years ago, which I know that that's where eventually this this whole podcast, vodcast is gonna lead to. Um, but this started as a thought, like when I was like 13 years old, I was at a point in my life where there was lots of things happening, lots of changes and transitions. You can imagine 13 year old, teenager, girl, middle school, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I always wanted a place that I could call home, away from home, that could also be like a safe place, like that I can go and leave my worries and my life behind and have a place that I could go to work out because that was the biggest thing. It was kind of a point in my life where I was looking, starting to work out. Mm -hmm. And I found that all that was around was like big box gyms. And it was scary, you know, it was, it was super scary to, to walk into something like that. So that's where the actual idea started many, many years ago. Yeah. And, but quite honestly, never thought that it was ever gonna lead into anything. Definitely not something like this because it was always just a dream, just a vision, just something that was like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool to do yeah. one day, you know? <laughs> and on a Saturday morning at like 8 a.m., we would roll in with like 20 deep. <laughs> we would be like oh my gosh what is going on so uh that's how the the whole like gym part of it started gotcha. and then we started with those workouts and it was just those three days a week and i was 2012 i was pregnant with my second son santino so i would walk pregnant and jason would teach the classes i would walk with them and we would do there was no there was no laps lots of laps there was outside oh. there was cul-de-sac <laughs> you know run to the cul-de-sac and come back um, but we just kind of rode the wave, you know, in the beginning, we rode the wave and, um, and what, was, what was the catalyst to, to decide like, okay, like, was it the amount of people that you now had in your driveway or was it like, <laughs> kind of like, decide we need a building for this? Yeah. Kind of what, what started from there was we got into like the racing and the racing mm. season and stuff like that. And if you guys know Jason, I mean, if you know me, you know Jason, right? <laughs> 
Um, but if you guys know Jason, he was all about the racing, the race, especially the obstacle course racing, the mm-hmm. OCRs and things like that, because that was just the adrenaline rush. That was, right. you know, for him as a guy, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is what I want to do. Right. And so we got into that. We got into building teams. And so building teams then brought our community together and we were having like 20, 30, 50, 300 people at a race. And that, when we saw that vision and that picture, we were like, holy shit, like this is, this is crazy in our community, you know? So we, we grew and we built, you know, we built our name and we built our brand, you know, from our community and just inviting people to kind of join us with no intentions of anything else. I mean, they weren't to be a part of our team. It's not like they were like paying us like big bucks, you know, to be a part of this team. It was just us being together as a team and getting people to step outside their comfort zones and to do something that they never did amongst like all these other beginners to advance and elite like racers. So when that started was when we were like, I think we're ready to like branch off. I think we could do this. Right. Still scary as hell, man. Right. Like, I was like, I think we could do this. I think that's why you guys ended up needing to get a new driveway and having all those people. <laughs> yeah, now, <laughs> so many years later. That's that's what it is. That driveway is beat up. Right. So, um, yeah, so we, and then we did that. And we opened our first location in Pines right. in 2016. 2016, yeah, 2016, January 2016, we opened our location in Pines in the back of a plaza and because that was quite honestly all we could afford you know we were like we need a location it took us like a year to find that location because everything is just super expensive and we couldn't be too far from home in our network we don't want to be too far we want to be in a location that we knew we'd be able to grow off of so we started in the back of a plaza and open up that facility was like a typical like just box no windows you had one door one pull up uh roll up door there you go that thing (laughs) i mean for those of you that don't know that pines location was pretty clutch like it was it was really dope yeah it was cool Let me tell you, I think the most favorite things is running around in that parking lot with the not, ducks and the not, freaking not my favorite. <laughs> and the dumpsters. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> but we made it work. We made it work. And that was cool because there wasn't a lot of restrictions. We were able to use the outsides. We were able to set up like lots of different things that we wanted to do. The big tires, yeah. the ropes, like all sorts of really cool things. So that so, was cool. so here we are. We're now now in the Cooper City location. Yes. And and now we're we're getting towards the end of our New Year New You challenge. Yes, we is, are. <laughs> which is has been uh, eye opening to say the least. At least for me, for sure. You know, uh, with with incorporating the diet aspect and and providing everyone you know their their individual macros. One that's huge, and that that's something that a lot of people would pay a lot of big bucks for. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. I will say thank you for that. But uh, it, it also happens to to line up this final week of the challenge with the National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Yes. So that's the, the, the main topic for this for this yes. conversation. Why don't you uh, give me a little, and everyone else listening, a little rundown as to, to why you wanted to discuss this particular topic. Right. Um, well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things is eating disorders in general is something that is just not discussed a lot. Um, It could be frowned upon, you know, upon, you know, from a lot of people, just the simple fact that um, people are not too aware of eating disorders. And to a lot of people, it's more like just eat or just don't eat or why are you doing that? Or, you know, I don't get it because a lot of people just don't get it. And, you know, eating disorder is a mental illness and it's, it corresponds with a lot of different, you know, mental illnesses that are out there. It is a very addictive um, illness and behaviors that come upon with eating disorder. Um, it's hard to, you know, to pinpoint, there's a lot of research that's done with eating disorders and with, with me in particular, I had anorexia nervosa. And that's what I was diagnosed at the young age of 11, 12-ish. And anorexia, um, to, for those that don't know, because I, I know me growing up, I, I, I everyone sort of knows like the two, anorexia and bulimia. Right. Anorexia is is more so the restrictive, right? Not Correct. eating as much. Right. And bulimia right. is like binging and purging. Right, right? exactly. So gotcha. it's the opposite. So just to backtrack a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, time frame wise, I mean, I guess you're talking about like 20, like 26 years ago was when I suffered. And, and 26 years ago, it almost feels like the same like it is now. Like it's something that you don't talk about and it's not common at all. So it's like almost like a hidden 
undercover disorder because you could really fly through unless you have family or relatives, friends that notice these things. If not, it's something that you can you either you live with. Unfortunately, most anorexia either end with death, unfortunately, mm. or death from suicide or Ooh. starvation. Mm. It's normally normally how it ends. You know, if you don't if you don't get the proper help and stuff. Um, but yes, coming upon you know we have eating disorder awareness week that starts next week. So it starts on Monday, and my mission from my own suffering was always to raise awareness and to help people kind of understand a little bit more about eating disorders. Unfortunately, I don't know everything. I can only share my own experience and my own journey from what I suffered and and the things that I went through to help others, especially women, because it is more common in women. Granted, it does not discriminate against men, race, color, it does not matter at all because everybody suffers. It's just more common in women than, you know, anybody else. I think that I think that might be because there's so much pressure placed on women through uh, be it media or social media to to be thin but also be curvy. Right. Not too curvy, but not too thin. Right. You know, and, and then, you know, in order to be classified as sexy, you need to have this specific shape. Right. Men don't typically get pressured like that. You don't hear about hashtags of mom bod. You mean <laughs> right. like you got yeah. dad bod all day. So like, you know, it's it's right? like acceptable for men to, you know, to be a little I guess sloppier with their diet and, yeah. and presentation. Yeah. Whereas women are expected to be held to this this level yeah. of standard. So that that's that's tough. Now I do think you you just mentioned something about about sharing your story, but you're like I don't know everything, but my hope is to share my story. You know, right. th- I think that in and of itself is more likely to help someone because someone is someone that suffers from something like this is more likely to listen to a survivor mm-hmm. you know it's like you know what i'm going through as opposed to being a friend or a family member that's like no you just need to eat right you know is that something that you you experienced growing up like did you have you know family and friends you know just just telling you just eat right oh yeah yeah i mean that was the biggest thing was that um, and, and I'll share like a little bit of my story and then you could just cut it off at any point. Cause I'll just blab on and on and on and on about it. Um, but a little bit of my story was it started, like I said, around like 11, 12 years old, Would you figure 11, 12 for a girl is probably like the changes yeah. of, of, you know, of age Very and pivotal. exactly preteen lots going on. And I remember vividly, um, it was my sister and I. And my sister and I were always very, very competitive growing up. Is she older or younger? Older. Yeah, older. Three years older. Three years, three days older. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, we were always super competitive with everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was finishing fifth grade and she was, I think, going into high school. So again, two huge parts Mm -hmm. of changes in life. And I was like, let's go on a diet. Like, I want to lose weight. Like, I was always a more plumped child like my my mom's like she, i was a nine one i was nine pounds one ounce when i was born i was a huge baby and then my sister Chunky was like baby. my sister was like a tiny like six pounds so i was always the one that was like the plumper, the rounder and my mom coming from a latin family is yeah. always feed me feed me feed me like constantly yeah. all day long granted I have really healthy habits, thankful to my parents, my mom especially, because that's just what it was. But I was just always a little bit more plumped. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, and so I was like, let's go on a diet. And so my sister's like, all right, you know, let's let's do this again. Competition. So I was like, all right, let's do this. So it started off smooth. It was good. You know, things were under control and stuff like that. And then I started to like restrict and set these rules of like, okay, well today. I'm only going to eat this amount of calories or today I'm only going to eat this amount of fat. So it became obsessive. And then every day was like a new set of rules and it was like, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to change this or, you know, all right, I'm losing weight. Like this is really cool. So I was losing weight. Like the weight was like dropping off, like nothing. Like it was like super easy. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And so now I felt in control. I was like in control while all these other forces and things in my life were out of control, you know, changes in, in schools, life, family life, my parents, this and that, whatever. So this is my way of controlling something. So one thing just led to another lost weight, lost weight, lost weight. It was super rapid. I would tell you it was, it was probably in the matter of like 90 days, like three months, three to and six how much, months. How much weight are we talking about? Oh my gosh. I was like, so I was at the time I was like five one and maybe I was like, maybe like a hundred pounds. 
maybe mm. if I want 100 pounds. But no, when I was sick, when I was sick, I got down to 65, 67 pounds. Wow. So I was, and I never saw that. So I never saw like myself that skinny ever. And like, I never saw my ribs. I never mm. saw my <clears throat> hip bones. Like I never saw that. My shoulders. I didn't see any of that. And and I avoid the camera at all costs. It wasn't like I have pictures to be like, yeah, this is what I was. But I had lost that much weight. And it happened really fast. And, and unfortunately, my parents didn't see it when it was happening until I had lost so much weight. And then at that point, it was like, wow, like we really, we need, we need to get help here. Like something's wrong. Because they would then be like, here, eat. And I mm. couldn't. Like I physically wasn't able to eat the food regardless of what it was even if it was something that was set in my mind as part of my rules right. somebody giving it to me wasn't part of my rules i didn't i didn't say that it was okay to do it right. so it became it's illness like it's very like very sick honestly and if you folks don't know if you don't if you don't come from a latin upbringing like <laughs> rejecting your mother's home cooked food is like yeah. What are you doing? It is like you are like on the shit list. Yeah. Like, you're like I, I cook. you're grounded. Right. <laughs> I cook. You're not gonna eat. Like yeah. So it it became like super super obsessive, mm-hmm. and um, my parents brought me to a specialist down in what used what used to be Miami Children's Hospital way down south, and uh, my parents brought me there and I went to a specific adolescent doctor, mm-hmm. and was diagnosed on the spot um, with anorexia. And um, just because of my patterns and my weight loss and things like that. So I was diagnosed on the spot. But of course, they gave me the opportunity to prove myself that they were wrong. So they gave me the opportunity. And they said, listen, you're going to have weekly visits. And every weekly visit, you need to gain weight. If you're not going to gain weight, we're taking the next step. So of course, the next week, in my mind, I didn't want to gain weight. Nor did I really think that I was capable of doing it. Because at this point, my mind was so distorted and my behaviors were so out of control that I don't even think I could gain weight on my own even if I wanted to, you know? So once the doctor lost weight and then they were like, all right, this is the next step. Next week, and finally it got to the point where the doctor was like, listen, Sandy, next week, if you don't gain an ounce or if that scale doesn't move, we have to admit you into the hospital. Wow. And so sure enough, came the next week and they were like, the doctor's like, listen, this is what I told you. Like, this is what's going to happen. So I got admitted, and I th- when I got admitted, I was like 67-ish pounds, something like that. So I was super, super thin. And they told me, you know, they were like, listen, it's not that we're not doing this because, you know, we hate you or we want you to suffer, but it's a simple fact that your heart rate is so low that you are on the verge of heart failure. Like, you're on the verge of having a heart attack. Like, you are one heartbeat away from, like, my heart rate was like 30 beats per minute. It was like, wow. boom boom so it was like i couldn't like it it came to the point where if i you know if i fell asleep there's a possibility that i wouldn't wake up you know those types of things so um it got to that point where you know they admitted me that we did all the tests and everything to support whether or not i really did have an eating disorder if it was something that there was a worm in my stomach or there was something else going on in my body or whatever the case may be so um we did ran all the tests and sure enough all that stuff came back negative and 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 that's what it is so i was in the hospital for two weeks feeding tube um you know getting therapy and and all that stuff for you know every day getting all these tests done blood work done couldn't even use the restroom by myself like i had had to be carried because one they didn't want me using any energy whatsoever to run the risk of um me you know having a heart attack or, or something happening until i was well you know so um, but yeah, and then after that, you know, after two weeks there, they, they sent somebody up to talk to me and was like, hey, listen, you're 12 years old. We got this really cool place here in the hospital that you can go to. There's other kids there. You can hang out. You get to walk. You're kind of at the stage now where you gain 10 pounds that you, you still have to have your feeding tube, but you right. can go and you can hang out with people. And I was like, that sounds cool. Right. <laughs> you know, that sounds really cool. Sounds suspect. Like, it doesn't sound like this is... At 12 years old, I right. was like, this is cool. Other kids, like, give right. somebody candy, you know? <laughs> All right. So sure enough, they took me in and it was a psych ward. It was mm. a psych ward and I didn't know they had that, but they do. They have right. it right there. And, and I went and they closed that door and I could not leave. And the only way for me to leave was for me to get better. Like, that was the only way. And I saw some some things in that place that was absolutely, like, just scared the shit out of me. Just, I bet. you know, because you, you have people that are suffering from, I don't think there was anybody that had an eating disorder there. Everybody else had serious. Because right, they, like, don't, they don't differentiate by no, type of mental illness when no, you go to the psych ward. It's not just, at all. 
Not at all. So you have, you know, children, you know, adolescents that are battling all sorts of different things from hallucinations to um, outbursts to, you know, all sorts of mental illness and stress-related depression, obsessive disorder, you know, everything you can imagine. Um, so every day I'd cry, 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 and it'd get me out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I'd sleep with one eye open because it was just like the scariest place to be for a young child. Very traumatic experience. Um, and uh, You said you were there for what, two weeks? Yeah, yeah. In, in the psych ward for yeah. two weeks? And how long was your total stay in Four the hospital? Weeks. Four weeks total. Yeah, so two weeks on the medical unit. Right. And then two weeks in in the psych ward, and finally, like I was able to go. I mean, I was able to go home finally after like I mean, we had. Remember, I had a feeding. I had a feeding tube, so it was like one time I had to get it reinserted because somebody tripped over it. Oh no! Oh so, my god! Yeah, and you can imagine that. that it, yes. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, feeding tube goes up your nose into your stomach, oh, and wow. yeah, somebody tripped over it, and I had to get it like reinserted, and that's it's painful, extremely painful. Yeah. And the second time it happened, I was like, no, yeah, <laughs> no, no. like no more, and unfortunately. As a minor, you don't have a choice. Mm. It's what they say. It's right. what your parents say. It's what they say. So I was able to convince them, like, listen, I'll eat. I'll right. eat food. I will chew and I will swallow. <laughs> I will Just eat. don't make me have I to will put eat that the food. I will eat the food. Please don't make me suffer like this. So sure enough, I was able to eat the food. But that was, honestly, that was like God's blessing. Whoever, mm. he sent that person to trip over that damn freaking line right. so that I could start eating so that I can go home because... The only way for me to go home was I had to eat on my own. Right. That was the only way. So I was able eventually to go home, but that was just the start. You know, that was just the start of my mental illness, my recovery, relapse, you know, all these things. And I and I truly, you know, eating disorders is something that you live with, I think, for your entire life. Just like many, I'm sure, mental illness. It's something that you you have to work with yeah. every single it's not, day. Yeah, it's something. It's not something that just goes away. You have to no. manage it. Right. Like, Anorexia, actively. bulimia, alcoholism. You know, being a drug addict. Those are just coping me- mechanisms to deal with whatever it is internally that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. that you're covering. So the biggest thing, you know, with eating disorders is just you have to identify what it is, you know, in your life that you feel out of control. Because when you feel out of control, you automatically go to your coping mechanism, whatever that may be. And for me, it was restriction. Mm. I can restrict my food. I can be in control. Would you say that that this this stems from? Because I was reading that that, that these are related to body image or body distorted body yeah. images that people have of themselves. So would you say that you had a distorted body image? That you feel like were you afraid to gain weight? Did yeah. you feel because I know you said in the beginning that you know you you told your sister like let's let's go on a diet right and I guess one what prompted you to feel like you needed to go on a diet and two would you agree that it, it was based on a distorted body image yeah for sure for sure I mean I think the biggest thing was it started with um, you know like the diet you know and and I'm sure it was granted like nowadays I mean it's even worse because of social media and everything like that and the access to constantly being you know things thrown in your face like what looks like the perfect body and the filters that make everybody look so good Mm -hmm. 26 years ago they didn't have that Mm -hmm. you know we had we had had beepers and like you know I had to take this Kodak snap (laughs) and take it to Walgreens and wait three days you couldn't you couldn't be seeing any pictures other than what was in a movie or something like that Mm -hmm. I mean even on the Magazine. Computer, you dial up AOL, mm. you know. Yeah, that's, that's for another conversation. <laughs> right. So I remember those days. Uh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it started with the diet. So I couldn't even I couldn't even remember telling you if it was something that it was like I saw like an image. But to me, I know I did not look like thin. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like to like for me, I did not look thin. But yeah. I don't know what. Um, you know, what necessarily happened as far as like why I wanted to go on a diet. It was more so, um, you know, wanting to, wanting to fit in, feeling like I didn't look like the rest of the girls, like in my class and my grade level and things like that. Right. And, uh, you know, wanting to be thinner and wanting to have control, wanting to have control and feeling like, you know what, if I can go on a diet and I can control physically the way I look, well then I'm winning, you know, I'm, I'm a winner here. I can do this. So that's how it started. And then as it got deeper and deeper into the illness and the disorder, I never saw myself thin ever, ever until way after years later, 
years later, years later. And I think, you know, the body, um, you know, image and, and the distortion of that is just something we all deal with it. All of us. I right. mean, I even deal with it to this day. I could take a picture and be like, whoa, oh my gosh, no. And then look at it a week later and be like, wow, that looks good. Right. You know, because it's all about what you set in your mind, the perception that you already have set in your mind. Like, just like working out. It's like, oh, I can't do that. So guess what? You your ain't going to do it. Not, right. Your body's not going to allow you to even attempt if you, your mind has already decided yeah, that you you've already decided. You've already, you've already predetermined how good or bad something is right. or how good or bad you look before you've even gotten dressed. Like you're right. already like, well, this outfit's not going to look good because it's just not going to work. So then, of course, when you put it on, you're not going to look the best that you think that you're going to look. But if you already have changed and shifted your mindset to say like, hey, this is what it's going to be, then that's what it's going to be. So, you know, that was that was the main thing, you know, the, the body image and things like that. Um, but, you know, other than that, it was, you know, just a constant, constant, you know, setting these rules and these things that I needed to do certain things in order to lose more weight and, and to continue losing weight and things like that. And even in the recovery phase was super challenging. And the only way for me to get past it was I did have to be medicated. You know, right. I had to be on antidepressants because I needed to be able to feel happy to feel good, to move on with my life and, and to kind of to push forward. So these happy pills, you know, made you feel good and it made you be able to to move forward and to do things. And that's that's what I find fascinating is that that your story is very similar to mine in the sense that like this mental illness will have a larger effect on your total health and wellness, you know, and it's in essence, what motivated both of us to kind of live right. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So like while I didn't go the route of opening my own gym or, mm -hmm. you know, exercising like that, that didn't stop me from reaching out to you right. multiple times before like I finally decided like this is what was right for me. You right. know, it was like I knew like mentally I wasn't ready to, I hadn't decided in my head that I was capable of doing it. Right. You know, like, like you were just mentioning. So until I was able to say, you know what, like, I have to be capable mm -hmm. if I'm going to make this change. Yep. It wasn't going to happen. So I'm, I'm thankful that, that that took place. And also, like, with with looking into the different types of eating disorders, I, I personally was not diagnosed. But I know that, uh, so bulimia is the binging and purging, mm -hmm. or, or be it being uh, via vomiting or taking laxatives yep. or you know anything yep. like that. And then anorexia is just the, the restrictive intake. Right. There is also the binging without purging. Right. And after looking at the uh, the symptoms of that disorder, I feel like I, I most likely fit into that yeah. because I, I remember days where I would, you know, drive home from work and I would stop at fa some fast food, be it McDonald's, Wendy's, whatever, and eat a lot. Right. And then get rid of the evidence and then come home and not share it with anyone. And then right. like also eat dinner because I didn't want them to know that I stopped at McDonald's right. on the way home. So now I'm forcing dinner down and yeah. then going to sleep and while everyone else is sleeping, waking up in the middle of the night to go grab cookies or something. Yeah. And, and then like sneaking around the house to not yeah. let people know that, I, I, that I'm doing this, you know? Right. So like eating in the car became routine for me because it was only me in the car i didn't have to look anyone else in the face i could i could feel all that shame by myself mm -hmm. and mentally stash it away mm -hmm. because i physically would not be able to do that in front of someone else so if i'm hanging out with someone else I'm, I'm typically going to eat a lot better you know or or mimic what they whatever they're ordering so that i don't feel bad about myself um yeah man but that's that's an eating disorder yeah you know and they say that most Americans, everybody will suffer from an eating disorder at some point in their life. Yeah. In some some capacity. And let me tell you, okay, so I looked this up, right? Right. Because obviously it's been 26 years. And as the years go by, there's um, different eating disorders that have come up and they've noticed like different, you know, forms of it. And so there's anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, which we talk, talked on. Mm -hmm. There's... Pica, P-I-C-A. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. So check this out, okay? This is when you crave non-food items. That's so, a thing? Yeah, it's a I thing. I mean, not knocking anyone that... that Correct. Like, I was, this is new to I me. I had the like, same expression because I was like, wait a second. I told Jason this last night. Non-food items, specifically dirt, ice, chalk, paper, oh. hair, cloth, and pebbles. 
So that's actually a thing and that's an illness, you know? And it's like sometimes we think, but you know what? Like the expression we're having, like the reaction we're having right now is the reaction people would have to me when I was anorexic. The hell? Right, 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 what? Why the hell are you doing that? Like, just, just like, why can't you just eat some food? You know, like... But yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a disorder and it's an illness and it's something. And granted, I do know about the craving the ice. And they said it's very common in pregnant women. Okay. Like they crave ice because of low iron. Right. So it could be something that's related. Um, they've also done research now with eating disorders saying that some of it is genetic related. That was a question that I had. Uh, was... Yeah, which kind of, you know, quite honestly... Again, all my years of, of researching eating disorders, and, and I even did a paper in high school on eating disorders, I guess it just obviously over the years now that they have more research mm-hmm. and more studies and things like that, they can relate it. But I can relate because I didn't mention it before, but I suffer from anorexia and my sister suffered from bulimia. We mm. both suffered from an eating disorder, just the opposite at the same exact time. Wow. You know, so it was kind of like now I wonder... Like maybe there is a genetic related disorder. You Predisposition know? to having absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. So there is, there's not enough studies to be like, yes, that's what it is mm-hmm. and that's why you have it. But at the same time, it's a way of saying, you know what, it's not my fault for having an eating disorder. Right. Like it wasn't my fault. Like, you know, this was just a coping mechanism for me to deal with whatever things going on mm-hmm. and possible genetic related disorder, you know, that, that comes about. So it's very, very interesting to hear that. So the pickle was one, and then the other one was rumination. Rumination, this kind of gross. Rumination, which is a regurgitation of food and then re-eating the food. Oh, wow. So that's, that's very that's interesting. Sad. Voluntarily, because there are some reflux disorders mm-hmm. that, that are out there that, that happens. But again, like the same thing, I was like, whoa, like that's interesting. Very, very interesting to think that that's, another form of knee disorder. So I can imagine just just off of the reaction I had to you describing pickle, right? that that anyone that suffers from that is going to be a lot more reluctant to seek help yep. because that's the reaction. Yeah. You know, when they know like, okay, like just reading that I was or hearing that I was like, what? Wait, what? You know, right. so like I can imagine someone that's that's suffering from something like that. So like I don't want to reach out. Uh, yeah, can you imagine? I mean, let alone let's just say a teenager or a child, but an adult, Mm -hmm. an adult to come forward and be like, I have a disorder of eating dirt. Someone would be like, I'm sorry, come again. Hey, can you run that by me one more time? (laughs) Like dirt, like dirt, like from the ground or like dirt from like, so you like mudslides from Fridays. Is that what you're getting <laughs> yeah, at? Right. No, no. Or like them dirt cups right. like the, for the kids make, you right. know, with the Oreos. Right. That? No. Right. That's, and that's a thing. So I, I can't even imagine, which is why, like, raising awareness of eating disorder week that's coming up is just so, like, it's so important because people are so unaware and people are scared yeah. to come forward and to be like, hey, I need help. Like, I haven't eaten, like, I have an illness here and I need help. And, um, yeah, so the, those were, you know, very interesting to read and to, to just to think about because I can't even imagine. So would you say that the, the, the trip to the psych ward and being hospitalized, was that your eye opening, your, your, your awakening to say, I need, I need to get this under control? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a, you know, it's so hard. It's so hard to think back a lot of times. Um, me talking about it gives me the opportunity to like revisit and to think about it and to really, you know, as I get older and more mature and more life experiences to really identify what was going on. Um, because it's hard, it's hard because you get so fixated on going back to like my root, my daily rules that I had for myself, where I had to cut my food a certain amount of times, the obsessive behaviors. I had to measure my food. I could only have skim milk. I could only have anything fat-free. Like I wasn't able to have anything with fat in it. That I was so fixated on those things that I didn't have enough energy to think about anything else, to think about that I had a problem, you know, because my energy was all spent on being obsessive with how much thinner can I get? How much less food can I eat without, you know, passing out, without dying, quite honestly. I mean, that's that was the thought. That's wow. And, uh, you know, so to think back and be like, yeah, you know, this was the turning point in my life. I, I can't, you know, fully say because I don't know. I don't know. But I know that I needed help. I needed help. That, and that was the only, the only way for me to get help. 
And we're talking about, I, you know, was in the hospital for those four weeks, but we're talking about therapy for 18 months after that. Right. You know, weekly therapy for 18 months after, after that, not just me, individual family therapy. My parents had couples therapy. My sister and I had therapy. Like it was all individual therapy. Like everybody in the whole house was getting therapy, you know, like to just battle our issues. That's another thing. So now you mentioned that you and your sister went through that at the exact same time. Yeah. I can imagine that being extremely tough on the household because now you have you have you don't have any other siblings, correct? It's right. just you and your sister. So right. now as as your parents say, we have both of our children suffering and we don't know how to fix it. Yeah. You know, so children obviously don't come with handbooks. Yeah. You know, we don't so they they're now trying to do the best they can with what they've got and I'm sure in therapy they're being told that there's some of their behavior contributed to some of this, right. you know. So now, right. now it's it's a juggling act of like, okay, we there's things that we have to change in this house in order for our children to live the lives that we want yeah. for them, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't imagine how tough it it was for those those you know, however long it was, you right. know. So so what? And I I don't I don't want to ask you to speak for your sister, but. Do you think your sister, you think her situation was made worse because yours was brought to light first? It or, could have been. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been. And I think I think a lot of it does, you know, come from, it stems from my sister and I both seeking out attention, you know, from our parents at a young age. And I think, you know, my parents did the best that they could, the right. best they could, given their resources and giving their lifestyle and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. and granted, you know, I did I did blame my parents for years and years and years. It's their fault. I'm sick because of them. Right. You know, it was their fault. Until I grew up and I was like, it ain't nobody's fault. It's my own fault. Right. You know, it's my own fault for allowing this to continue to go on. I haven't allowed myself to heal. I haven't allowed myself to lose control. Right. You know, I felt like I needed to be in control of everything forever. And so because I wasn't allowing myself that freedom to just let go, I was constantly blaming them. So, you know, I think my sister also having it at the same time that I did, I was like, geez, man, mm-hmm. like, can't you do your own thing? Like, stop, right. <laughs> you know, right. because again, it was, it was a way to like shine light on, on me. Like I wanted the attention, like mm-hmm. I wanted it. And as sick as that sounds, it was at the same time I was suffering from, uh, an illness. Right. So my way of doing it was like, if I, the more I suffer, the more attention I get. Which because is, is... now I'm in the hospital and it wasn't just my parents. Now it was my cousins and my family and my aunts and my uncles. and Everybody was involved. School How was Sandy. involved. How yes. Sandy. Everyone that Everybody asked was asking. Sandy. Everybody was like, let me go visit. Let mm-hmm. me take care of her. You know, all that stuff. So it was all of this, you know, influx of like attention. Granted, it wasn't the best attention, but still it was attention. Right. And something that I never got growing up. So, um, yeah, so as messed up as it, as it seems and, you know, and, and talking about it, it's like, oh, my God, like, Sandy's like crazy. <laughs> like, cuckoo. <Yeah. laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was one of those things Like my sister, I think she, you know, she wanted, she wanted the attention. I wanted the attention. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But at the end of the day, we both suffered. You know, we both suffered with this disorder, you know, mm. for years and years and years, years. I mean, even even to this day, I could tell you there's a very fine line. Like I said before, like in disorder, mental illness is something that lives with you for the rest of your life. You got to work daily. Right. So you got to find something else as your coping mechanism to deal with life. And life only gets harder as you get older, you know, and, and more factors in your life family, relationships, kids, work, you know, what, whatever the situation may be, mm-hmm. it only gets harder. And so you have to find your, your, your coping mechanism. And I think that's where like the pivotal point was for me with fit for life. Mm-hmm. Here we are, you know, with fit for life. This was always a thought back when, like I mentioned before, back when I was like 12, 13, it was a thought because I needed something. Right. I needed something to turn to. When all this shit in the world like is crashing, like I need a place that I can go to, right? You know, to to just release those decompress, yeah, those negative forces and all that stuff, and and something that, um, you know, can be a safe place, safe zone. So a lot of that came into, you know, how Fit for Life came about, how the name came about, you know, Fit for Life being something that you're fit 
today, tomorrow, in the future. Right. You know, life spell with the why. What is your why? Why are, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Because mm-hmm. the reason is not because I want to work out. The reason is deeper than that. For sure. And when you come when you come through our doors and you're a part of our, you know, relationships and and our team and, and our fit fam and all that stuff, you feel that. You you feel that energy, you see those changes and you see all of that stuff happen. You know, so it's like, you know, that's where Fit for Life came about. You know, nice. it, it all derived from from that. So you've you've put everything you have into fit oh, for life. Oh lord, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> a little bit a little bit of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 here we are in in 2021 and now you finally got the other location open. Unfortunately, yeah. we had to say goodbye to Pines. Yeah. Uh, so going forward, what what does the future hold for fit for life as as a whole package? So not just like, you know, working out and having a place to to decompress, but you know, in, in incorporating the nutrition and right. and the mental health aspect. Like, right. Right. I think that you know, I think the biggest thing is um and one of the the greatest thing that's that's made us so successful and is that, you know, and the reason why we're so different is because we're constantly changing and doing something else. And, and I'm not talking about just the workouts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about every single challenge, every single workout, every single holiday themed or today, you know, the 17th, the Stillman Douglas Remembrance Workout. Everything has a purpose. Right. Everything. Everything. So every time you come here and you do a workout, know that there's there's a, a greater purpose behind it. There's a reason why you're doing 20 reps of that. You know, mm-hmm. there's a reason why you're doing 15 million laps outside. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a purpose. And and a lot of times the purpose is to break you down so we can build you up mm. and make you stronger. Mm. Because again, like from my own suffering and my own background, I have been through so much personally broken down and had to break my down myself down so many times to rebuild that I know what it feels like now to be able to like get past that mental illness, you know? And, and I know the only reason to do that is that you have to be mentally strong, period. Yeah. doesn't matter what you physically look like. Mentally, you have to be strong in order to get past that other shit because we are all battling with something, something. And whether we're gonna talk about it or mm-hmm. not talk about it, we all have something, right. you know? And, and I think that once you, you know, you build yourself up you know, doing other things that are breaking you down, you're able to get past that stuff. And that's where we build healthy habits, a healthy body, mind, physically, emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, and that's how you're gonna get on, you know, through life. So, you know, our goal here, you know, at Fit is just to continue providing these challenges and these themed workouts and these hard ass freaking challenges that are gonna make you and break you down. Facts. Every every single one. I've I've been broken right? down. <laughs> you break you down and and the reason why we're known to never duplicate a workout is for that purpose. Is right. because we want you to come in here and have something new, something new challenging. It's fun. Really... It's fun to not have the same exact yeah. routine. It's not like, okay, I mean, I, I get it. Like, we know Tuesdays we're coming in here. It's going to be Tabata. Tuba- yeah, it's going to be absolutely. 20 seconds of suck and yep. then 10 seconds of hurry up and move yep. on, you know? Yeah. But yep. I, I enjoy that even though the the daily, uh, I guess, format of the workouts is is to be expected, but I like that the workouts themselves have never, I have right. not once in my. 110 classes however many I've been coming to have n- not one has been repeated right and uh, you know I think it's important that that we realize that the, the mental health blocks that everyone experiences like you said whether they choose to talk about them or not has an effect on every other aspect of your life mm-hmm. be it your your relationships with friends family lovers you know uh, co-workers any of that your decision making has an impact on so I like that you touched on the breaking down to rebuild because the breakthrough Mm -hmm. is worth the breakdown itself. Right. You know, like that, that feeling you get of being able to finish a workout. Like, uh, like I'll tell you when we did that 2021 rep challenge, the Mm -hmm. 2021 rep challenge, like that broke me. Like, (laughs) like it it really did. And like, I, I did my best to not get emotional during that class, but having everyone rally behind me and encourage me to finish, like, that's something that I, I don't think I've ever really had, yeah. you know? Like, I also grew up not really playing sports or anything like that, right. so maybe I kind of missed out on that growing up. But, like, 
here it is. Yeah, right, here right. And here we are. You mean like everything happens when it's supposed to, but everything that you deserve only comes to you when you realize that you deserve it and you realize that you're not going to stop until you get what you want and mm-hmm. what you deserve. So uh, Fit for Life has been life-changing for me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged to, to pass this on to the, to the next group of people. So, you know, I think by speaking on our experiences is the best way to reach that next person that is suffering either with a mental illness or, or, you know, specifically an eating disorder. Um, So I'd like to, to pivot to talking about how someone who is dealing or suffering with either a mental disorder, specifically, we'll leave it at at, uh, an eating disorder how they can reach out and get help because i think personally it would be difficult for someone that is getting results doing something unhealthy like having an eating disorder uh, at least specifically in, in, yeah. in your case with the anorexia to get the results that you're looking for even though it's in, in in an unhealthy way it would be difficult for you to reach out and get help and say like i know what i'm doing is wrong right because i i, I would suggest i would i would guess that you didn't know that what you were doing was wrong mm-hmm. you mean especially at that age so how can how can we go about getting someone the resources they need to pull them either out of a dark place or yeah. to guide them in the right direction it's hard man you know that's like a an, a question that i think if we all if we knew the answer to there wouldn't be people suffering facts you know what i mean because it is definitely you know like i mentioned before it's something that's hidden people are not open about it it's frowned upon it's it's just not understood like it's misunderstood Mm -hmm. it's misunderstood so the biggest thing is for me at least where i'm at now the purpose of me sharing my story is to hopefully be able to have people reach out to me Mm -hmm. you know to be like it's relatable right i suffered i know what it's like i know the feelings i know what you're going through um but at the end of the day just like anything else it has to be wanted Right. You have to want help. Um, even, you know, I always go back to, you know, being an alcoholic or a drug addict. Like, you have to want help. Um, of course, if it got to the point of, you know, where you're at a stage where you're severely ill, yes, there could be an intervention. There right. you're, there could be, you know, something that, that happens where your family, you know, comes in. Mm-hmm. But most of the times with eating disorders, it is undercover. Right. Nobody knows. For sure. You're suffering. Nobody knows. I could be suffering right now. Nobody would be would know. Right. You know what I mean? Like I said, there's a very fine line. And there there are moments in my life that are so freaking stressful and so, you know, difficult to deal with that the first thing I go to is restriction. Mm. I'm, gonna str- I'm not going to eat today because that's what I'm in control of. Mm. I may not be in control of my freaking kids going crazy and the gym's out of control and this and that and whatever and I've got a million things on my plate. But you know what? I can control not eating for today. And that's still the behaviors of, mm-hmm. of an anorexic and eating disorder. And so I still battle those things, but I also know how to pull myself out of it because I've gotten past that point. Mm-hmm. But it all stems with the having the, making sure that you're connected with a hobby, a healthy hobby, a healthy habits, such as the gym, mm-hmm. you know, your, your fit fam. I can only... I can only relate and share what I know in my experience and, and knowing and talking with other people that have relatable illnesses and stuff like that, that having that connection and having people that you could fall on with, fall onto and, and be around gives you the motivation, the drive to not to kind of like disconnect from your illness. I guess you could say like having those, those healthy habits and those are like stages of life. It's like, yeah. you know, when you start working out and you start eating good, you're probably not hanging out with the people that are drinking, partying all night long because you've got different plans. Right. It's the same thing. You know, just like when, when you have an eating disorder, you're you, most of the time, if you're like deep in an eating disorder, you're not hanging out with people that are, you know, going out to eat and doing these types of things. Like you're, you're hanging out with people that are either doing similar things that you are or you're not hanging out at all, right. you know? So I think the biggest thing is surrounding yourself with like-minded people that are healthy-minded people um, that you can trust right. and be around. Because all that's gonna happen, like for me, 
all that happened was my mom and my my parents and and everybody just shoving food in my face. Right. Just eat the food. Just right. eat the food. I can't eat the food. Right. Or you know binging and 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 purging and things like that because nobody's around and nobody sees mm-hmm. it. But you don't realize the effects. Like we're 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 adults. You know we're adults here and you know what's right and wrong. You do. You know you do know what's right and wrong. And even if you're battling mental illness, you do know for the most part that there is. You know there is that that line between what's right and wrong and whether you want to get the help or not has to be something that you want to do right i mean i think i think you can relate as far as like wanting to lose weight for sure it's the same thing like it was a decision that you had to make and granted it took you a while to step foot in the gym yeah and i think i think that that's a a lot of people's reality is the whole you know the the yo-yoing you know like I, i i go and i can work out and i can lose weight and then I get comfortable and I get complacent. So I start eating it, you know, and, and falling back in old habits. And I know for me, you know, mental health wise, like I knew I had to get that right before I was going to be successful in any other aspect of it. You know, like I, I had the diverticulosis and had, ended up having to have part of my large intestine removed, but I had to lose weight in order to have that surgery done. Then, you know, I lost the weight, I had the surgery, and then miracle fix. Yeah. You know, I no mm-hmm. longer have to worry about that. Right. You know, so it's 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 the realization that health and wellness is a constant commitment. Like oh, this yeah. isn't this isn't just a, a one and done. This isn't I need to lose twenty pounds because I'm going to this wedding and I want to look extra fly on my strapless right. dress. You know, like, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> like uh, you really have to work on this forever. Like this is for life. It this is a, is a lifestyle commitment. commitment. Yes. So Yes. Yeah, and I mean um, and I'm sure you could say like, what do you, what do you feel like has kept you committed to, you know, to this whole journey, this, this, you know, life, this lifestyle of eating healthy and stuff. Is it the gym? Is it the people? Like what, what it's, is it? It's a combination of all the, hold on. I, I asked the questions here. Like, <laughs> right? No, we but gotta flip the script here. Yeah, yeah, I, I was not know. prepared for this. Like, you know what? Yeah, I like we're making a point here. Yeah, no, I love it. I, so what, what keeps me coming back for sure is, is yes, it's the people and it, it's, it's, I think it's more so like seeing the results and learning more about what my body is capable of mm-hmm. because I didn't I didn't grow up super athletic. I didn't grow up like I'm completely opposite of my brothers who are very very heavy right. heavily involved in sports and whatnot. Um, I kind of grew up on the more creative end. Like just yeah. leave me in my room with my Lego box and and my crayons and I'll be good. So learning to, now in my adult uh, stage that my body is capable of really athletic things it's 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 beautiful and then seeing like the transformation and then like getting the compliments and whatnot but realizing that it's not just the physical aspect but the nutritional aspect as well because i already tackled the mental part that that was like okay like i know how my brain works i can recognize my triggers okay we can move past that i have clearly have no problem working out i will come to the gym and and i'll bust my Mm -hmm. ass and that's fine but even still, like late last year, I was still gaining weight, even busting my ass in the gym four to five times a week. Right. You know, because I knew I was still eating like shit. So I was choosing to uh, blind myself and say, well, you know, having this Big Mac is better if I'm working out than if I'm not working out. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can justify, justify. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So coming here where I know people are going to hold me accountable. Right. is by far the, the largest reason for my success. Yep. Especially given this most recent challenge, the, the New Year, New You Challenge, which I, I wanted to join last year, but I joined a little too late. But the group aspect, people checking in and saying like, okay, this is this is what my macros are for the day. Like this is how close I got. And it becoming kind of a, you know competitive, mm-hmm. but not like overly so. People right. aren't trash talking or anything like that. But having that that but also people sharing their struggles that like that's that's big too you know people are like oh i'm struggling to eat this amount of food or i'm struggling not to have this glass of wine or Fuck, the grandkids have Reese's yeah. peanut butter cups you know and like seeing people are still human and still struggling reminds you that like okay like you're going to struggle and it's okay because you're not the only one so having that that community that you've built here for fit for life it really contributes to my success. Yeah. That's why yeah. I keep coming back. Yeah, and that and see, and I was circling back around to get to that yeah. <laughs> because when it comes to eating disorders and mental illness, and especially eating disorders, and when you're 
hidden. I think the biggest thing is having that network, that network of people, you know, and having that network to fall back on and having people make you stay accountable Mm -hmm. to your goals. Because the minute you can just slide and hide and nobody's checking up on you and stuff like that, that's when shit hits the fan and you you go back to your unhealthy habits and Mm -hmm. you do the things again. But when you are out there on the radar, it's just, it's the whole thing like setting goals. It's one thing to set a goal and to write it down and to have it all pretty and put it up in your wall, whatever it is. But the second you make it, post it or you share it with the world, guess what? It's real. Shit. Like I got to do this. Yeah, I really got to do this. real. So when it comes to an eating disorder now as an adult, as difficult as it is, and, and, and I know that it's hard because we could have some listeners or some watchers <clears throat> that are suffering right now that are like, no way, I cannot you know, come forward and say that this is what I got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the same time, you kind of have to remember that it's baby steps, baby steps. Everything is baby steps. Right. From the time you start working out to the time you start eating healthy, it is not a full-on let me get it done right now. No. You know, it's it's baby steps and understanding that it's a process. So the first step may be, you know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm going to share my story privately, you know, and see what kind of feedback or what kind of comments or what kind of, you know, suggestions or help that I have. And then from there, you know, I'm going to take it to the next step because you don't know where that conversation is going to lead. It may lead you to something that's like, wow, you know, maybe I could do this. Right. And the next step. But I, I believe that, you know, constantly challenging yourself your body, your mind, keeps your mind focused on something else. Because the second that you start focusing back on your eating disorder, your mental illness, specifically eating disorders, it, it becomes over, it, it's just, it consumes you, it consumes your life, mm-hmm. everything. Like when you don't have time to think about that anymore because you're so busy doing all these other fun Wrapped stuff. Wrapped up, right. Yeah, it, it's like you don't have time to think about that. And before you know it, the day's over and you had a great day. You know, and that's the biggest thing. And I know that for me, like the, the best thing when, you know, in a challenge, in the new year, new year challenge and things like that is having all your, your, your meals planned out and having everything planned out. Guess what? It's less to think about. Mm-hmm. You eat, you go on with your day. You work out, you have a good time, you go to work, you have fun, you do whatever the things that you got to do. You eat again, you drink your water, you know, you go through your day. Before you know it, it's the end of the day and that's it. And you're like, damn. I did it. I did it. Like, that was mm-hmm. cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm going to do it again. Right. And and that's And I'm prepared because I meal prepped. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So that's you know, that's the biggest thing. When it comes to, you know, getting help and things like that, it's you, you have to one want it. You have to want it. And I know eating disorders are something like I said, you live with I mean, here we are, I'm twenty six years later and still have thoughts of it. Right. You know, still have some days where it's easy for me to fall back on it. I never stay there. Right. I'm always able to just continue to move forward. But there are days that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this because I can do this. Because I can. Exactly. You know? And, and I deserve it. Exactly. And then, you know, and just to, you know, to wrap it up kind of like, you know, warning signs and things like that, you know, eating disorders, if you are someone on the other side where it's like, you don't have an eating disorder, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, the hell is this? I've never heard of this before. Um, how do I know the warning signs? Well, you know, certain things, behaviors, behaviors around food is the biggest thing. When you notice people's behaviors around food are a little bit different, you know, pushing food around, um, restricting food, only eating a very small portion of food, or binge eating, we just ate, and now mm-hmm. we're eating a whole another plate of food. Like, those are just warning signs. And it's not something where you, like, need to jump down someone's freaking, you know, right. like, shit and be like, why are you eating so much? Mm-hmm. Or why aren't you eating? Just observe. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Observe. Because the last thing anybody wants with an eating disorder is someone to come to them and be like, you're sick. Spotlight. You need help. Right. Instead, take the time to observe and then when the time is right, because there will be the time is right. Mm-hmm. When the time is right, you bring it up. Step in to have a, a, a side conversation with them, yeah. not in front of other people. I care about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I really care about you. Because that's the biggest thing. A lot of times people with mental illness and eating disorders is you don't feel cared for. You don't feel loved. You don't Facts. feel like you have support. You feel like you're alone in this world. Mm-hmm. Almost and like so, you feel like you're not even worth correct. your goals. You know, you're like, I'm not yeah. worthy of what I want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with eating disorder, sometimes you don't even feel worthy of having an eating disorder. You know, you, you feel worthless. So 
having somebody that comes to you that's like, oh my gosh, I love you. And I mean, that's one of the biggest things too we have here at Fit. Like everybody just, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) You know, that's the biggest thing is there's so much love and there's Mm -hmm. so much like care for people that you can't, like it's hard for you to fall into like something of a deep dark because you have so many people caring and loving for you. Right. And um, that's the biggest thing. You know, if, if you know somebody's suffering is make sure you, Take that time to show them, you know, I care about you. I love you. I love you. All right, coach. Well, I I think that that about does it. Uh, How can people reach out to you if they were uh, interested in either talking about uh, their eating disorder or if they had questions about joining Fit for Life? How can people reach you? Yeah, we have, you know, obviously all social media is the easiest, you know, we have our Fit for Life Cooper City page, Fit for four, L-Y-F-E, underscore Cooper City, Facebook, Instagram. Um, my email is Sandy T at fitforlife.com. Um, or, you know, I don't know, find me somewhere. Right. I'm here. <laughs> she's, she's, she's here at Fit for Life, Cooper City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, reach out anytime. You know, I'm pretty much an open book. I think that's, that's the biggest thing I learned with my own disorder was just becoming an open book and being honest and truthful and, and being able to share yeah. these types of things, not hiding anything, you know, because we all got a story. Sure do. And I yeah. can't wait to hear from our story, for more stories from more of our, our people here at the gym. I'm gonna they be, don't know they, they, what's headed their yeah, way. Yeah, you sure don't. There's a, there's a storm coming, ladies and gentlemen. Brace yourselves. <laughs> All right, folks. That'll do it for us here on the first episode of the Fit for Life Lifestyle Podcast. Again, I am your host, Anthony Changes. And today's a beautiful day, whether you choose it to be or not. So love one another. Stay safe. Stay happy. And be fit Bye, for guys. life. Right? See you later. <laughs>